I'd like to welcome y'all to Secrets from the South. I'm your friend, Scotty Ray, along with my co-host, Terry. Now, you'll quickly catch on that we don't sound like the man on the 6 o'clock news. We talk a little slower, and we've got a southern drawl. But nonetheless, we've got a great podcast lined up just for you. We'll bring you some interesting stories. They're sometimes crazy and a little unbelievable. But it would be just plain impolite not to share them. So get yourself comfortable. Find some southern charm and a glass of iced tea and enjoy. It's that time of year when you open your front door early in the morning. It's cool again. Ah, it's October. And yes, it's back, Ghosts and Goblins. I hope you'll enjoy this week's episode titled Hauntings and Ghosts. October leads in with what most Americans lean to, well, well, scary things. Halloween is around the corner. Yeah, that's my husband's favorite time of the year. I'm not sure about the Halloween part of it, but the fall and the kids, the well, little see, costumes thought, and things like that. I thought you were going to lead into he was a prankster and really loved to scare people when they showed up to get candy at the uh, house. He has done that, but that was more on the lines of, you know, when kids roll. And it usually is around this time of year. You've got homecomings, homecomings and things like that. Well, we knew some kids were coming to... Because the parents had called and said, do you mind if our, and this is when they were young, if they come and they're going to roll the yards and whatever else. And we said, you know, back in our day, you rolled somebody you didn't like. Now it's a pride thing. You really want to be rolled because it's people that you do like, you want to roll their house. So he hid off in the woods between our house and a neighbor's house, who ironically is a big part of a haunted house that we'll discuss in a little bit of our fundraiser. But he took the chain off of the chainsaw. So when he cranked it up, you know, it's running, but there's right. no harm. And that's really kind of outside for him. You know, he's Mr. Rule follower. I'm the one that would be a little more on the rebel side, not him. But he got a thrill out of that, chasing those kids around. You know, and that's what you watch on TV nowadays is, what, Friday the 13th and I mean, now they've There's got... There's nothing quite like grabbing somebody's ankle and making them squeal like Oh, a yeah. Have you ever done that? Yes, absolutely. It's fun. We love those sort of things, and we love going to haunted houses. And there's a part of us, you know, that we like watching the scary movies. And there's a few of us out there that's like, uh-uh, you're not talking about me. I don't like any part of it. But I think there's a part of us that like that thrill, especially if we know that it's fake. But you see, there's the other side of it. Of some of it may not be fake. Yeah, exactly. Of, and we the, have, of things sliding across a room. And you actually see a move. And I've seen that. Yeah, I, I don't know what I'd do if I see that. It, uh, it it makes the hair on your arm stand up. I mean, without a shadow of doubt, and you don't want to move. You just kind of froze. Now, I did tell you that when I was pregnant with our daughter, I was maybe three or four months pregnant and uh, still active. We were canoeing. And we were actually spending the night on a sandbar. A lot of us used to do this. You know, I don't do it now because it's like, uh, for security reasons, for just a lot of that. But I mean, and it boils down to, I got a big bed at home. Exactly. Well, and you know, and plus now, you know, you make the trips are a little more, I guess, elaborate or extravagant. Extravagant is probably a, a big word, but I still love the fact of being outdoors. And we go spend the night. We got the little fire going. Everybody's around the campfire and whatever else. And somebody pulls out a Ouija board. And we were going to sit there and do that. I'm telling you, my husband put his foot down. He said, uh, 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 because he was like, we're not taking that chance with you, but especially 
this child that you're, I mean, he was adamant about well, it. I, you see, the Ouija board thing, I think, goes a step beyond, okay, there's a ghost. I think that is like a direct communication to Satan itself. That's what I mean, what I've would you do, taught. Scotty, if you and I got us a group and got up here and we know for a fact nobody was moving that thing? Well, I've actually seen it, Terry. I was, I was in college at, uh, Scuba Tech. Big time, got, Scuba Tech. And, you know, the, the home of the, uh, what was that last chance you? Yeah. Exactly. But that's been many years. But, I, you know, they went to a graveyard. There's a bunch of them one night. And, and, you know, it moved around. I don't know if I didn't touch it. I stood there and watched. It was a group of us, about 10. And it was four of them had their hand on it. And it would slide around and it would answer questions. And then there was the old boy that got to foaming at the mouth after he had had his hands on it. Now, I can't tell you that he didn't fake it. But if he did fake it, he was really, really good. He was foaming, foaming at the, into the mouth, oh, wild-eyed, screaming, "Something's got me!" and just you know that old deep voice stuff. And it was, it was, it was freaky. Yeah. So if it wasn't real, he did a really good job of pulling it off. Absolutely. You know, I saw a documentary the other day, and it it ends up making I think the list of some of the haunted places that we have in the U.S. Did you ever see the documentary that's about Hotel Cecil? Never heard of Hotel Cecil. It's an older hotel that is still in Los Angeles. In fact, and I'll just read a little snippet of it. It says, more cursed than haunted. Downtown L.A.'s Hotel Cecil got such a bad rap that it actually changed its name to stay on Main. And I remember in the documentary, they go through how they had gone through changing it and trying to give it a, a new look. And it said, if you're a true crime and paranormal super fan, you've likely already heard of it. Where to begin? So many bad things have happened here. There's literally an entire Wikipedia page dedicated to its violent history. The first recorded death by suicide is in 1931, followed by a long string of similar deaths in 1932, 34, 37, 38, 39, and 1940. Whoa! You know, it's amazing that this thing is still... Who would even darken the doors of this hotel, but they go on to say, they said at some point in the 30s, one man was pinned to the exterior wall by a truck. A woman murdered her newborn in the building in 1944, and a pattern of suicides continued in the 60s. In 1962, a woman jumped from the ninth floor window and landed on a pedestrian, killing them both. It's worth noting that the two of the women who died by suicide apparently jumped while their husbands were asleep in the room. They must have had enough of their husband. <laughs> I mean, enough that it was like, uh, gotta I, go. I gotta go. And it said in 1964, tenant Goldie Osgood was brutally murdered, a crime which has remained unsolved. Next in the eighties, infamous serial killer Richard Ramirez, the night stalker, stayed at the hotel in the 1990s. And I remember the documentary going into detail about this, this dude. And then it said Austrian serial killer Jack Unterwedge lived there. Other weird things kept happening, but the weirdest is definitely the disappearance and death of 21-year-old traveler Alyssa Lamb. And they go into the documentary and they talk about this. And then I'm just going to read this brief thing and that'll be enough. But it says, a few weeks after Lamb went missing, her body was discovered in the rooftop water tank after visitors and tenants complained about a funky taste. They later found 
odd footage of her in the elevator from the night of her disappearance. It's difficult to make out what she's doing. It looks like she's either playing hide-and-seek with someone outside the elevator, or she's frightened and attempting to hide from someone, but the doors won't seem to shut. Authorities go on and rule it suicide, but it's like, you never could explain in the documentary how somebody, well, how do they get in the water uh, tower? I mean, there were just so many things that she just physically would not have been able to do to commit suicide. And I just think, if you think of all these folks that jumped to their death, why would she choose something as bizarre as that? Now, when you do see the footage, it is extremely bizarre behavior on her part. And you do sense that something, it's almost like somebody is outside of the elevator and she's frantically trying to get the door to shut. Right. And I don't know, it's just, she she goes from, and they show footage of her for, she's been there like several days where she's done sightseeing and she's reported here, she's reported there. And then all of a sudden, it's like the last day, she just kind of goes haywire. And I think this is the same hotel where they may, you may be bunking with somebody else in a room. And I think that she was uncomfortable with that. She goes down to the clerk or the desk clerk and they put her in her own private room. Yeah, I think I you share that. like a, I don't know. I think you have like a common bath or something like that. I mean, it's a pretty inexpensive hotel. Right. So that's why a lot of people today end up going to it now that they've changed the name. I don't know if they've changed the layout of how that that hotel operates but it was really bizarre but you know there are just some weird places all over you bring this up let's just ask this question if you're murdered do you think it's more likely that it's a haunting because your your soul isn't or it maybe that's not the word for it uh, that you died uh, a a peculiar way and you're and you're after whoever it is that done that to you well, I think if you look at some of the the articles that are out there on some of the most haunted mansions, some of those are where people actually committed suicide. All right, here's the next question, and you never hear this, and I've often wondered, because people die there all the time, haunted hospitals, you never hear about that. And each room that you stay in in a hospital most likely has had probably 50 people die in it. Well, there is one thing with a hospital that is not too far from us. And they were talking about the way that the wood grain was on a door. And, you know, there's somewhere in Alabama, is there somewhere that has the... The face in the window. Yeah, the face in the window. Well, this one was where it looked like the devil. You know how wood grain does? And this is a thick wood door uh, that's the entrance to the patient room. And they said it, it got so much attention and was such a distraction, they had to remove it. Mm. So I don't know. I think there's a lot of bizarre stuff out there. And, you know, you and I even got wrapped up in that with Alan Brown. Yeah, last year. I guess it's, was it last year yeah. we went or uh-huh. during the summer? Yeah, it was last year around uh, this time. So we, we went to, uh, oh, it was late at night. Uh, we went to a church in a neighboring county that, you know, supposedly has the writing on the wall that I saw as a teenager. And it had been 20, 30 years since I had been there. And we went back to it. And it was creepy, was it not? Well, first of all, we're going down this dirt road. And I mean, for our listeners, they need to understand that in some of these rural places, such as the rural place that we went to that's not too far from where we live, I mean, this is absolutely in the middle of 
nothing. Yeah, there's no cars. I mean, there's these no is, headlights. It's a dirt road with nothing but woods on the left and the right side of us. Is that right? Yeah, no street lights. Period. I mean, so here we are there. going in this fine ride that you had, which was comfort um, riding. I mean, seriously, it was comfort riding. And it was, you know, it was pretty cool with you and I and somebody like Alan, who has written so many books, historical right. books on ghosts and, and things of that nature, that we get in the car with high hopes that we're going to see something. And do you remember that we went and we looked in the church? And this is one of these old churches from when do you think it was built? 1820-ish. So you can kind of gather it's, you know, it's and it's built up on uh, like cinder block. And so it's elevated off of, it's not on the flat ground, is it? No, I mean, you no. Can, it's, it has a crawl space. Correct. So, I mean, it's not big and you look in with your flashlights and the grass is kind of overgrown. So that right there is, and then it's a crisp, cool night. And then you start, I don't know if it was a full moon or not. Big cemetery. And then the big cemetery. Do you remember how spooky that was oh, when yeah. we were out there looking at that? And then, you know, there's a way, the moonlight on one of the graves, if you'll remember, the moonlight hits a tombstone and puts a glow on that one tombstone out there. It, you know, and that can be explained. It's just moonlight. Yeah, But exactly. it's creepy. Well, and I mean, sometimes you go to visit these places and there's, and you purposely are hoping that you will see something or hear something, and you don't. You know, like in the case of us going. And then, and I think the spookiest part of our whole trip was we're going down this desolate road. And like you said, it's late when we're coming back. And do you remember that vehicle that was kind of pulled off on the side of the road and they got behind us? Yeah. And you know, that goes back to my original story of that when I was a teenager being chased by just Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot car. you uh, talking about that. And it just appeared out of nowhere. And then we go, and then there's this car that rides our bumper that was, I mean, out of nowhere. So, I mean, how many miles do you think it probably rode behind us? Eight miles. And then it finally, what, turned off or something well, or stopped? It had to stop because there's nowhere to turn off. Because we finally just didn't see the headlights yeah. anymore. And it's almost a play-by-play of what happened 30 years ago. And you, dummy me, until you said that, I didn't put two and two together of the original. But I remember you talking about that. Yeah. So was that a repeat of that same thing that happened to me there 30 years ago? I don't know. But, I mean, I think that for anybody who's trying to visualize this, just the ride to the church slash cemetery was spooky enough. Because this is not like you're looking out over fields and it's dark. I mean, it is woods. The entire way. The entire way. And it's that gravel, dirt road. And you can't go fast. Nope. Like you said, there are no streetlights other than our headlights. And so you don't know what's going to jump out in front of you. That's kind of, I mean, it kind of builds the suspense Uh, suspense. of what you're getting ready to, you know, open the door right now. We're we're pulling up. We're there. I mean, I think in some of these places where people go to places like that hotel or the McRaven Hotel or, I mean, house or sometimes you have those experiences and sometimes you don't, and sometimes you don't even think you should be in a place to encounter those experiences, and you do. Dr. Alan Brown's going to join us next week. Uh, he's got another book coming out. He does. And I asked him a question about this, and he says he's going he's gonna to go there with us. All right, do you believe ghosts can touch, like they could come up and push you? Well, I mean, have you ever had that experience where you felt like, 
somebody was looking over your shoulder. Yes, I Or have. somebody, you felt something, not like a lot of pressure, but just enough that would it would make you kind of turn to acknowledge what was that. Yeah. So I guess I'd have to say yes. All right. What if you're a lady walking down the hall and something slaps your hiney? Like, just comes, you know the old saying of, comes up and gets a handful? Yeah. <laughs> He's going to discuss that. That This I got to hear. These types of ghosts are out there, and they've got names, and I ain't even going to tell you what he, what the names of that now, is. Now, see, I have never, ever, ever heard of a ghost that exhibited What's, those types of things. I'm try, I was trying to politically think of a good word for it, and I can't. Well, that ghost would not be welcomed in this day and age. <laughs> There no. is such thing as the Me Too movement. I wonder if there's going to be a Me Too ghost movement or something like that. They just don't know about it yet. It's probably coming. So have you ever been like, you've been on a couple of ghost tours. Yeah. Or would I, would I say ghost tours or just places that are known to have ghosts? Well, if you go to Natchez, Natchez, Mississippi is full of, we've done many, many homes there. Uh, Magnolia Hall, uh, King's Tavern is probably one of the most haunted, supposedly, there in Natchez. And then I think most everybody's heard of Oak Alley, which sits in Louisiana, north of New Orleans. Uh, we've spent the night there. Out of all of those uh, that I've done, there's two places that I have found that something was there. Magnolia Hall had something. Didn't feel nothing at Oak Alley. Didn't see nothing. I, I, I just, I didn't feel anything there. Now, is it spooky at night with them? You've seen the pictures of the Oaks. At, oh, yeah, uh-huh. Uh, Standing on that uh, second floor looking at it, it's spooky, but nothing happened. Magnolia Hall, on the other hand, if you ever go to Natchez, it's, it's, it's in there. The piano played by itself. Uh, you know, we had the, the, the chick who she was a psychic and she goes, there's, there's a woman in the house and she loves to play piano. And about that time, dong, dong, dong. Really? And you're like, Oh my gosh, ask Alan about it. It happened. And hey, Coincidence? How would a piano play by itself at that exact moment when everybody in the house is sitting in one room and the piano's in the adjoining room? So how did everybody react? Uh, screamed. Oh, they did. Yeah. I don't know. And you know, you always you also think that. Or let me ask this question: Do you typically think that ghosts are in older, established hotels, homes? Or do you think that they can reside anywhere? Well, see, Alan's going to talk about that also. And he highly suggests before you build a house to do research as to what was there. Because just because you bulldoze a house down that was there doesn't mean that the ghost leaves. So be careful of what you do. And, you know, and he goes into talking about Indian mounds. Oh, yeah. That's a I, no-no. Yeah. And the same principle goes to, you know, what was there before? Did a lot of bad things happen on this site where you're going to build your home? Also, Alan's touched on this several times. And don't go to yard sales and drag antiques home. Oh, yeah. We talked about that because you never know what you're taking home with you. It might just be this beautiful china plate that you think you've gotten a great deal on. But that happened to be great grandma's china plate. And you got great grandma's ghost going home with you. And if you ever watched that TV show, I don't know if you ever got hooked on it. The first four seasons were probably the best I've ever seen on any of this stuff. Supernatural. Did you watch Sam and Dean Winchester? I think so. One of the episodes of that first four seasons dealt with antique furniture, and it was the ghosts that were attached to that stuff. Woo! I mean, just make the hair on you stand, because they really made it realistic. And, you know, always at the end of the show, the only way to get rid of the ghost is to burn their bones or, or something like that. They'd have to dig them up and throw salt on it and throw a match in there and burn the bones to get rid of the spirit. 
Yeah. And, you know, and there's all like this time of year, you've got all kinds of volunteer fire departments and city halls and things like that. They're putting on their share of what do you call them? Like haunted houses. Right. To, and, to raise money. Yeah. And those are kind of, that's kind of different because it's a different type of scare. You know, it's coming. Yeah. But you know, it's not real. To me, the scariest thing is something that you know for a fact that you saw, you heard, or you felt, and you can't explain it. Correct. Did you, I don't know if you're up on this. I saw where our little hometown is going to have the first ever Halloween parade. No. Yeah, yeah. I was like, whoa. So I guess you get on your witches. And I guess there's a few that don't even have to get dressed up. They can just go show up. They can just go show up. But, I mean, back to this. You know, and another, you ask about that another place that if you're wanting the real deal, here in our hometown is an antebellum home called Mary Hope. It's got it. It's the real deal. There is no joking. There's no faking. That place is haunted. Bottom line. It's too many people. I've experienced it. I've spent the night there two to three different times. It's there. You know, it makes you wonder how many little places are tucked away in little small towns. Big. I mean, here you've got Los Angeles with Hotel Cecil. How many places are known to have hauntings or ghosts that are present? And, I mean, there's probably a lot of places that we frequent that we have no idea if ghosts are in there or not. But let me ask you this, Scotty. Would you be brave enough to go to stay at Hotel Cecil after I read a little bit about this? That doesn't turn me on. Now, I'm okay if I got a group with me. I ain't. I don't fare so well on my own. But I got two or three people with me. I can put up with a little bit, but by myself, I'm not I'm not into that. I, I would never go venture off by myself just to go check it out. And, and here's another interesting fact. I read that with the pandemic... They've had more reportings of paranormal activity since then when people were actually reporting into work, working in the offices, that now that people find themselves at home, they're supposedly reporting more activities. Do you think there's any truth in that? I think there could be. Is it dreams that they see? And my question would be, is it nighttime when they see it, when they're waking up in the morning? Or is it during the middle of the day, they're sitting there on their computer, and then there's Harry sitting next to them that they hadn't seen in 40 years? So getting back to the pandemic and more people being at home, more people reporting the paranormal activity. It says John E. L. Tenney, who describes himself as a paranormal researcher and is a former host of the TV show Ghost Stalkers, estimates that he's received two to five reports of a haunted house each month in 2019. And this was published in 2020. It says, lately, it's been more like five to ten a week. That's a lot. Yeah, so it just says that with more people being at home, either we're more imaginative or we truly do believe that there is paranormal activity taking place Some of them, it goes on to say, are in apartments. Some of them are in condominiums. Some of them are in homes. So these are not necessarily old establishments. I almost called you two weeks ago on a Saturday night at 530. I come real close and I thought, no, you've already got plans. I didn't call you. But did you see where our little hometown had the ghost tour? I I did. And I've done that before. So uh, Alan, I met Alan Brown down there and Dr. Alan Brown and me and him went through that thing. And it was pretty neat there. The, uh, the actors, there was, it was a couple of them that really do a great job. They played their part well. 
the thing about it, it wasn't spooky because it's so well lit up in the city with yeah, all and it's the more lights. and it's more historical. Yeah, and- I never was scared. It was the neighborhood that you're more scared of. Oh yeah, definitely. And it was, but it was like an NRA convention because everybody there, I think, was totally. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> but I had a blast of watching the people do that. Now, there's also, I, I haven't been to one, but, you know, they have haunted cemeteries to where you go to, and it's a different from that type. Oh, I'd love to go to one of them. And Alan's going to talk about, coming up in this next episode, of a real famous person who is supposed to haunt the cemetery, this- Colonel Sanders. Really? Yeah, and I didn't know that in Kentucky. He's going to talk about that cemetery and why the colonel would haunt the cemetery. That, that, that's an interesting subject. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. Make sure you tune in next week. Once again, we'll have Dr. Alan Brown, a renowned writer that has written many, many books on ghosts, joining us for next week. He's got a lot to tell you. Have a great week, but don't forget to check under the bed. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and will continue to listen more. We promise to provide stories that intrigue you, provide a little humor, reflect our heritage and culture, whether it's strange and alarming. Please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. Let us know whether you liked or disliked. Do you have a story to share? If so, we'd like to hear from you. Please email us at comments at secretsfromthesouth.com and provide a brief description of your story along with contact information and we'll be in touch. We'd like to say thanks for dropping by. And if you don't mind, tell a friend about us. We sure hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We'll see you back next week here at Secrets from the South.